Nikki Tudge and you're tuned in to the Backyard Pet Talk with Shannon Riley. Hello, Nikki. I have been so excited to have you on this podcast. You know, we have known each other on and off over the years since you really yeah. started Pet Professional Guild, but yeah. really in the last year, gotten to know each other a little yeah. bit better with webinars. So I was yeah. really excited and thank you for joining us today. It's You're great welcome. to have you. So some of your uh, the listeners may know who you are and some may not know who you are. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? Oh, Okay. So I am English, obviously you can tell from my accent, and at the very ripe old age of uh, 16, I left home. And I left home without an education. I think I pushed back against my parents because they were both educators. My brother ended up with a PhD and I was the only person at the time in the family that didn't go through the education route. But I did go back to university years later and do have a master's degree, which even as a 30 year old, pleased my parents to no end. <laughs> um, so I left home and went to live in sunny London and I actually ended up I'll, I'll give it you in as short a synopsis as possible sunny I London I love that sunny London yeah yeah <laughs> well it's sunnier than the north so yeah and uh -huh. um, ended up working in hotels and as a young hotelier was transferred to Barbados and then spent the next basically the next 20 years living and working overseas in the Middle East Africa the Caribbean so I had a really, I had, I've had a very um, privileged life, actually, because I've done things that many people would not have the opportunity to do. And I met my husband in Nigeria. I was managing a hotel in Nigeria, and he was working with the U.S. Embassy. And we actually met, funnily enough, through President Carter, who, and whenever I see posts on um, the news now, I, I, I have a sort of a quiet think about, he, was, he came to Nigeria because he, he headed up a big project called the Guinea Worm Project. And... I was hosting him at the hotel and my husband was hosting him from the embassy. Um, so I met my husband. So that's our sort of claim to fame. We met through Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, which is really, really super. Um, and then my husband took early retirement. He retired at 42, I think he was. And we came back to the States and I managed to get a transfer to Hawaii. So my very first job in the States was in Hawaii. And for the very first time in my life, we couldn't have pets as children because my brother was a very serious asthmatic even though I came from a family of great animal lovers. Um, when I first got to Hawaii, I was like, yes, I'm finally in an environment which I will not be leaving because all my assignments overseas were for two years. And I got my very first dog, who was a Kelpie. How stupid was that? <laughs> and I, and, and uh, in my own defense, I, I, in, in Hawaii, the um, type of dogs at the time that you could access was quite limited because it required quarantine, unlike the mainland of the US. Yes. So most of the dogs were either bred in Hawaii or brought in via Australia because there was exempt quarantine rules because Australia also had quarantine rules. Yes. So and they don't have rabies. So it was the whole rabies right. thing. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So the choices were pretty much a Sheltie, <laughs> an ACD or a Kelpie. <laughs> Um, and stupidly, I chose the Kelpie thinking that, well, I did everything wrong. I, I was that pet owner that did everything wrong. I bought the Kelpie. I told my husband we went to pick it up. We drove it home in the car. We had no crate. We had no food. We had nothing. <laughs> I was managing a five-star hotel. I worked 16 hour days, five, six, seven days a week. And my husband had just taken retirement. And he was just like, <laughs> he hadn't opted to raise a dog. Um, <laughs> And I made a very frantic call to Tammy Goodrow, who was a trainer on the Big Island, who was a PPG member. I love Tammy to bits. Um, and that was how I first got into dog training, funnily enough, because I just love training this dog. And every weekend, 
And I took, I took her through all the puppy classes and pet obedience and then said, I want to do agility. And my husband actually, Rick's claim to fame is that he built the very first dog agility equipment on the Big Island of Hawaii. Oh, wow. Because Tammy said, I'd love to teach you agility, but we don't have the equipment. And I said, I'll provide the equipment, you provide the instruction. <laughs> and off we went. And in my third year at being there, I suddenly realized that um, most of the enjoyment and the pleasure I got was coming from my weekend of being around people dog training and animal training and not actually in my hotel job. Mm-hmm. So um, I took an online course from England, which I won't give you the name of because kind of feel embarrassed that I put money towards it. But it was one of the few courses that was available at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in 2001, I joined the APDT. So mm-hmm. that was a really quick synopsis. And then... But, but it sounds like you may have done everything, quote unquote, wrong, getting the Kelpie, I, yeah. but you were lucky to find a positive trainer. Well, and it's funny you say that because a lot of people ask me with PPG, were you ever a crossover trainer? And and my answer to that is as follows. I knew that I had this puppy and I knew that I needed to do something because it was basically chewing, eating, biting, anything and everything. And I called the only trainer I could find and said, I need help. And Tammy said, bless her. I'm not available for two weeks. And I said, how much do you want? You need to be here tomorrow. I mean, I was just going to throw money at the problem. I was like, no, that's not okay. That answer's not going down well. And I managed to persuade her and she came up the next day and she said to me, well, where's the puppy? And when I brought the puppy out, she basically just laughed and said, what an adorable puppy. This is just a very normal puppy. Because I had told her, I have a dog that's genetically incorrect. It's very aggressive. Um, and she, she just found that extremely amusing. Anyway, within weeks, months, years, I had a lovely dog and that dog was actually the start of everything for me. Um, it, there's always one. Yeah. There's always yeah. one. I mean, um, my first black coat was why I got into reactive dogs yeah. was because in a positive way, Karen overall yeah. was changed my life. Yeah. 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 And I, I'll never forget it because I was studying through Oxford University to do a master's degree. It was an online distance learning program. And I was, I remember sitting there one night, very, very late. And my husband had been out sailing, one of his passions. <clears throat> and I was sitting there working on my final thesis to submit. And I just started cruising the internet. And I found a hobby farm in Florida. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I want to, I want to train animals. I want to, I want to help other people train animals. And I made an appointment to go see it the next month. And my husband got back from sailing. And I said, we're going to Florida next month. We're going to go look at it. <laughs> like, what? And we, 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 we went and we ended up buying it and we moved. And that was sort of how. And that's we... how you got to Florida. Yeah. And that's how we got from Hawaii. To... Well, we actually, I actually went through the Bahamas. My company transferred me to the Bahamas. And the Florida house was a weekend house that was supposed to be in a five-year plan. But three months after I got to the Bahamas, the hotel I was managing got hit by Hurricane Jean and then Hurricane Francis and literally got wiped off the planet. Oh, my gosh. And and the company said, are you going to stay and rebuild? And I said, no, not interested anymore. I'm out of here. And, uh-huh. that, was, and that was how my first business launched in Florida. Oh, wow. And so how did all of this come to make you decide that you wanted to do Pet Professional Guild? PPG came out of a a traumatic time actually for us because we opened a business in Florida and we outgrew it because then we launched the Dogsmith, which is a licensing company. So we help put other dog dog trainers in business and we grew out of it and we decided we wanted to buy a physical facility. 
So we looked for two years for a physical facility and we found one in Oxford, Mississippi, that was an animal hospital, boarding facility, dog park, grooming. It was a, a, an all, a lovely complex. And we moved there, we bought it. Now, even though at the time I wasn't a particularly good dog trainer, I have always been a particularly good business person, which is one of the reasons why I progressed so quickly in my earlier career. And I am very passionate about financials, marketing, and I can understand how businesses operate. Within about two weeks of getting into the new business, we realized that the financials that had been provided to us, that had been audited by CPA, had been fraudulently put together. And the business wow. that, and the business that was supposed to turn over more than a million dollars a year was turning over about 350000 hmm. which wasn't enough to pay for the infrastructure. For sure. So the people that had sold it to us were still there operating as a veterinarian. So we approached them. It became very contentious. We had to get a lawyer involved. And for three years, we were in a big law lawsuit with them where we could have stood to land. We, I mean, when I think back now, it makes me shudder because we had, we put all our investments into it. Anyway, cut a long story short, it didn't get to trial because the day before it went to trial, they admitted that they were wrong. There was an insurance company involved on behalf of the CPA and the entire deal was switched back. So basically the whole deal got turned back. And we were put financially right and we got a significant chunk of change in damages because of what it had done to us for two or three years. But during that period and um, the first three months I was there, there was not a lot of motivation to invest time in the business because we were going through this massive lawsuit and I needed something as a distractor. And one Saturday afternoon I went and I've never named the name of the store that I'm going to today because I think it's a long enough time. I went into PetSmart in Oxford, Mississippi. I used to buy some of the stuff there for the animal hospital and the boarding business. Um, and I went in just to pick up a few bits and pieces. And I stood there and watched a trainer in there who worked for PetSmart physically hang the dog in the air and scream at it because it was reacting towards other dogs that had been mm. set there deliberately and staged. Ugh. Ugh. And, I, and I immediately just threw the shopping cart down, ran out and just burst into tears because I just felt so hopeless. And my husband came running across in the car I think he thought I'd been assaulted or something because I was so visibly upset and angry. Totally, yeah. And when I told him, he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, first of all, I've got to go back in and talk to the manager. So I went back in and spoke to the manager and the manager told me, I don't know anything about training, but I do know that what they're doing is probably the PetSmart protocol. And I said, it is absolutely not the PetSmart protocol. I had a dogsmith at the time that had gone through the PetSmart training and I have seen and read and have physical copies of their training manuals and nowhere in it does it talk to physically hanging dogs. So I sort of almost forced him to go over and intervene, which he did. And the trainer said to me, well, I'm not working under PetSmart right now. This is my private business, but they allow me to do my reactive dog class in the store. And I just looked at the manager and said, this needs to stop. This is inhumane. This is not training. It's abuse. And, I, and I'm going to be calling the corporate office. And I did call the corporate office and I emailed the corporate office. And I can say categorically, factually, that today, to date, I have never had an answer back from them. So you got to bear in mind, Shannon, that at the time I was a business owner and a trainer, but I was not massively immersed in the industry because the very first interface with the industry was on the Yahoo groups. And I came from a very sort of suit, corporate, formal business environment. And when I was on there for about a week, I just went, whoa, <laughs> this is not an environment that I want to be in. There was so much animosity and anger and arguing and backstabbing. And I just thought, no, this is not an environment I want to partake in. So I, I just have to tell you, I did the same with Yahoo yeah. Groups. I was like, 
holy cow, I just did, yeah. I never stayed at yeah, all because awful. they were crazy. Yes, and, I, and it made me question whether this was even an industry that I wanted to be associated with. Mm-hmm. And this is going back to sort of 1999, that, well, when I was in Oxford, it was in 2008 or nine, I don't remember. And driving home that night, and I'd already left the APDT because when my name was pulled up on the directory, it was surrounded by shot collar trainers. And I'd reached mm-hmm. out to them and they said, there's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. That membership doesn't have any sort of ethical component. So mm-hmm. I'd already left the APDT. And I, and I, when I was talking to Rick, I said, you know, I'd love to be part of a group where there are like-minded trainers that in these kind of situations, I can talk to them, I can harbor safety with them. We can try to move our industry forwards because in Hawaii as well, I was very shielded because the only trainer I'd managed to find, as you pointed out earlier, had been a Marine trainer initially. So she'd been exposed only to clicker training or whistle mm-hmm. training or conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd never been, I'd never trained to use. I mean, you don't, when you're training whales and dolphins, you're not putting shot collars on them. Right. Exactly. In, yeah, you're not getting in the water and sort of threatening them if you don't do what Dominating I them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and certainly growing up in the United Kingdom, I'd never been exposed to the sort of gruesome tactics that we still see to this day. So he just looked at me and said, why don't you start your own? And I, I thought, well, I don't really know anybody. I mean, I literally don't know anybody. And I had a Facebook page, but it was through another business that wasn't this industry related. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to do just that. And that night, and I'll never forget it, I sat on the rocking chair in my living room on my little laptop. And I emailed a few people that I knew in the industry that I didn't know, no. They weren't, they certainly weren't friends. And I don't know if I'd even class them as colleagues at that point. Mm-hmm. But it was people that I'd watched from a distance that were clearly clearly thought the same way that I did and we're clearly passionate about it and I thought well if I can bring these people together maybe we can do something and we did and that's sort of how it started I totally remember all that I mean I was the president of the Society of Behavior Veterinary Technicians and I remember some of our board members were like yeah there's this new person coming up with this new business and pet professional guild and we're like What's it going to be? And I totally remember, you know, when you came out into the, into the world and, and, you know, and we were also trying to figure out how to get these processes, you know, in the veterinary field. Cause at that time I was still like, although I still do stuff with the veterinary field, but it was heavily in that at the time. So I remember that. And now look at where we're at now. I mean, it's grown so much. And so now fast forwarding, however many years that that was because I don't, I'm like, I don't even want to think about how long. And and I don't either because I've never (laughs) held a job for more than two years. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed working internationally because you had two year assignments. Yeah. And I get bored really quickly. Well, not um, with PPG, because you've well, got no, all kinds of Isn't stuff. that interesting? It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think if we were just an association and that's all we were doing, but because we do so much more than that, my day is very varied. Because my husband said to me yesterday, he said, I can't believe that you're still really passionate about it, because he knows what I'm like. I work on a project, I get it done, and then I want to move on. Totally. It is great. Um, so tell us, yeah. why is Pet Professional Guild so important? You know, you created this, you came up yeah. with the idea. Why you think it's important, I know why I think it's important, yeah. but why, you know, why does the world need pet professional guilt i have to be honest with you shannon and i've said this to multiple people over the years i wish the world didn't need ppg i honestly i would be happy to close the doors if there was something else that fulfilled that role and i remember a few years ago we had some very nasty correspondence from some of the other associations Mm -hmm. which ended up getting lawyers involved actually 
And I and I remember talking to one of them and saying, if you kind of stepped up and changed your ethics statement, I'd be more than happy to close the doors of PPG. They, there was a feeling that we were splitting the industry. Here's philosophically where I've personally struggled with PPG. I'm very libertarian. I'm very much a live and let live individual. And I don't believe that any of us have the right to tell somebody else what they can, should do, say or think. Or unless it infringes on the other person's right to live mm-hmm. the life they want to live. So when I look at our guiding principles, when I first wrote them and I sat there and reflected on them, I thought there's two areas. There's one that's the non-negotiables and the non-negotiables say that join PPG. If you believe like we do, that there's no place shock, prong or choke, pain, force or fear in the training or care of animals. Then the second area of PPG's guiding principles is sort of the ethical code of conduct, how we do business, how we treat each other, how we behave. And when we first looked at that, I thought, can I really go out into the marketplace with an organization that says that you can't do A, B, and C? And, I, and, and I, I, I struggled with that because I wouldn't ever want somebody telling me what I should be doing. And then I thought to myself, well, we're not really telling people. We're basically saying, if you believe in this and you too want to work within these guiding principles and have this philosophy and this approach in terms of methodology, then come join us. And the more of us there are, the stronger our voices in the mm-hmm. industry and maybe we can move the mantle forwards. And I looked at it and I thought, well, and right from day one, people were like, oh God, you're so extreme. And I thought, well, what, what's extreme about that? What's extreme about not wanting to hurt animals, right? And, <laughs> and then, you know, executive directors of other organizations saying that like, PPG is like a religion, they're too tribal, they're too extreme. And I thought, no, we're not. I mean, I mean, and anyone that knows me personally, <laughs> absolutely say, God, no, Nikki wouldn't be associated with anything that is extreme. Yeah. Because, you know, I, t- I stay away from the extremes and the fringe areas because I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, it's not who I am as a person. And it, Re- Rebecca King, you know Rebecca? Yes. Uh-huh. Rebecca King was our manager at the Animal Hospital and Pet Resort. And I don't know, she don't, she's been working with us for 12 years now, but when PPG started, she literally had worked with us for about two months. And I brought her into my confidence, told her what was going on with the lawsuit, explained to her that, you know, I didn't know where this may lead. We may end up having to sell it, close it, whatever. But I said to her that, and at the time, the business was not there. We had to build a business over a couple of years. But I did say to her, I've got this idea of this venture I'm starting. I can provide some more work for you processing applications. And she was like, okay, cool. And we had a really sort of rudimentary website. Mm-hmm. I remember. All, and it was all manual. <laughs> it fell out a bloody form and emailed it. <laughs> yeah, you mailed it. And I think it was free when you first started and then it, it was, was like $25 yeah. you know if you wanted free. I mean yeah. I mean because I was one of those you know that did it yeah. like I remember yeah. all that mm-hmm. yeah so and my husband to this day still said to me I I funded that organization because I remember that the day he said to me why don't you open an organization he wrote a check for $25,000 and said put that in the bank account there's your seed money to get it going so to this day he sort of stands there and goes if it wasn't for me <laughs> Anyway, I walked into the pet resort one day and Rebecca was sitting behind the front desk and there was a big pile of like A4 papers on the shelf. And she oh was like, God. doing this. And as I walked in, she looked at me and I said, what's wrong? And she goes, hey, Minna, we launched the website three days ago. And I just, I was like, oh my God, I had no idea that there were as many people out there that felt the same way that you and I do yeah. about training. So right from day one, and, and then you can argue or put forth the hypothesis that yes, it's free. So people are going to join, of course. But even I think it was three, four years later, we went to a paid model. And at that point, we had to go to a paid model mm-hmm. because we were incurring a lot of expenses. 
And our membership is still so much more affordable than anybody else because we literally, it's not, we're not in the business of making money off out of our members. We're in the business of providing an infrastructure to help support them run their business so that more pet owners have access to qualified ethical pet care professionals. I was so delighted and I finally thought, you know, I finally got a home. I finally got an organization where not everybody's going to have the same skill or the same knowledge. We're, we're all going to be different and diverse in terms of who we are and what we bring to the organization. But the one common factor is that we all agree to no pain, force or fear shop, prong or choke. I'm a member of many organizations, but it's the one that it's like, you know, there's no, yeah. now most organizations have come through with a statement against, mm -hmm. you know, force and aversions. But yeah. I've been in all of those things because I've been doing this for a very long time yeah. and some organizations were, there was no other organization yeah. even available, yeah. but <clears throat> having pet professional guild is one that I'm always proud of being a member for, because I don't have to worry. Like, is that person, do we have the same methodologies or not? We may have different skill sets and we may have different yeah. specialties, yeah. but I know that if somebody goes there, like if they're across the country and my friend says, I need a trainer, I'm like, you can check there and I don't have to worry. Yeah. I kind of, I have the same feeling with my Karen yeah. Pryor Academy. If you yeah. go to a KPA or PPG. I don't have to like screen them for you. They've right. already been, they're right. already in the process. So that's what I yeah. really, I do really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. And that makes yeah. me get to my next question. If you have a whole bunch of new things, I mean, that professional guild is like the ever changing. I think that's why you have been doing it for so long because it may only be one job, but it constantly changes and yeah. evolves. So you never can get bored. Tell us about the new things that are coming out with that professional guild. <laughs> well, uh, let me start off by saying that, uh, first of all, I'm gonna, I want to publicly thank you because I do I do remember when you reached out to me years and years ago and you were so supportive and even though we didn't know each other and there were a few people like you that reached out and said, great, Len, I'm really, I'm really plugging for you here. But there were other people that reached out and said, stop it. What are you doing? It's not going to work. You can't do this. Other people have tried and failed. And I remember my husband laughing and going, they don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I will die in in the in the goal of in the reaching of the goal, and um, I will put my flag there, and I will die. So even though I got those types of comments from some fairly big personalities in our industry, I just said, look, you know, it's not in my um, fail is not in my nature. Probably fueled you more, because you're a little bit like me, and that Absolutely. sort of fuels me more sometimes. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah, yeah? you yeah. want to see? <laughs> when, when somebody publicly on Facebook who's a big personality in our industry says, I don't know who this person is and puts my name and then I don't know where this organization is, but I'm I can guarantee it's going to fail because everybody else has tried to do this has failed too. I just looked at that and thought, watch and see. Right. Yeah, watch and see. Yeah, um, exactly. So now you have, I'm super excited about, and I don't know how much you want to share because I know you're going to mention the new You're going to mention the new website and make me roll my eyes on you. No, it, I know that um, we anybody who's done website development knows that it's yeah. like watching a football game. You know, yeah. it, the football game may have five minutes left, but you may be there for five more hours. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's it's like watching a football game. It's not yeah. a straight yeah. linear fashion at any means, but you have some big stuff in the works and it may not be here tomorrow and it may not be here next month yeah. we, but it's in the works so people can be looking for right. what pet professional guilds yeah. going to be bringing because I'm very excited about what you're yeah. bringing. Well, I think as well, I think one of the, and, and I'll be honest with you, because we do do a SWOT analysis every year and we look at our organization from a pestle perspective and say, you know, sort of look at it from, you know, politically, environmentally, sociology, what are the pressures on the organization? How, what do we need to be doing to meet the needs of the marketplace? And then what are, what are we good at? 
what are we really bad at and where are the opportunities and the threats and I don't know why because we do have I mean we've got people like Paula Garber on board who are just great with communication and Susan Nelson before that we do have a great team of people that uh, help us communicate referencing the new website I think this is sort of a chicken before is it the chicken or the egg because what I'm about to say is I don't think we've done the best job of communicating everything that PPG does and has to offer because we do have the Pet Professional Accreditation Board, which is an independent, it's our sister organization that does credentialing. And the credentials are independently assessed through an examination company. So it's completely online as is, as is the CCPDT in terms of being an independent credential. Only the differences that take part in PPAB, you have to sign the guiding principles, right? And if you use that equipment or you don't um, adhere to that, we're gonna revoke the credential. And a lot of people don't know about it. And when they find out about it, they're just like, oh my God, this is great. I didn't know about it because it sits on a separate website. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Pet Dog Ambassador Program, which our PPG Australia colleagues came up with in 2015, which is a lovely five level credentialing program for pet dog owners. And it's for pet, and the, the, the thought was that, you know, just because you have a pet dog and you don't want to compete with it or do formal obedience, there are some really good life skills you can teach your dog that makes them a great ambassador for positive reinforcement training. So we have a five-step credentialing program that pet owners can get involved with, that professionals can get involved with teaching and assessing. And the documentation for that is incredible. I mean, there's a massive assessment marker that teaches every skill at every level and how you assess. And there isn't a fail, there's a did not quite achieve. So it's very motivational for pet owners. And then obviously we have the Shop Free Coalition, um, which is our the sort of drive that we have to try to get shop collars off the table. And we also have a junior membership program that we rolled out several years ago, which has their own pledge for juniors from eight to 20, three different levels, because we feel if we want to shape the industry, we need to shape those that want to join and or are coming into the industry as youngsters. And that has that own, its own scholarship program and it has its own mini credentialing program through BBAB. And then three years ago, the I was on the board of Dog Gone Safe when it was handed over to us. And um, before that, we took a vote to actually merge Dog Gone Safe with PPG because it just seemed crazy that we had two separate boards and yet there was so much overlap. So with the new website launch, Dog Gone Safe is now becoming a formal program, the Be A Tree program and the Dog Bite Safety mm -hmm. Educator. So when we looked at it, we thought this is ridiculous. I mean, we spend almost $3,000 a month in hosting fees for websites. Mm -hmm. Over and above that, we spend so many hours between myself and Rebecca and Paula and Pam and the other team members having to replicate information across different platforms. I mean, I think we'll save about 40 hours a week of admin mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So we decided two years ago to <laughs> launch a new website and we spoke to a developer and it got to the point where the, the project was too big for the person that was working on it. And mm -hmm. um, the individual is a lovely individual, great at smaller projects, but we realized that we'd reached a point that we couldn't go any further. So we had to get another company involved. They got involved four months ago and we are, we are so close. I had a meeting with them on Friday. We're so close to launching. But I don't think anyone understands because there's more than 25,000 users are gonna be using this website. And there's six websites all getting merged into it, plus all the resources and the membership benefits. So mm -hmm. it's honestly, it's a bloody monster. It's been an absolute <laughs> It's gonna be monster. huge. I mean, 
my truly force free website i have to meet with my manager my web designers every week and we are constantly yeah. <clears throat> going we got to cut this it's getting too slow because of this plugin yeah. yeah oh you know we added all these yeah. webinars and these plants and it's a constantly yeah. uh, moving and adjusting yeah. it's websites aren't just you set them up and you go right and we have that often, many users yeah. Yeah. Um, it bogs down and you want it to be yeah. easy for the users. You don't right. want them to be frustrated. You want yeah. it to be easy. So I totally understand that because yeah. my website's not nearly as big as Pet Professional yeah. Guild, but it <clears throat> is still a lot to manage. Like I couldn't do yeah. it by myself. I have to have someone else do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's right. So, well, I am very excited about I am too. all I am of this. Too. I am and too. one thing I wanted to highlight, it's funny because it was one of the questions and I think it will also help us highlight one yeah. of these websites is... One of the things, you know, there's a lot of people who are kind of like looking into dog training because there's some bit more things on social yeah. media and with TikTok and YouTube, all these different trainers. And there are some new trainers and some I've mentored and some I talk to on Facebook about things and, and they want to jump into dog training. You know, they, they want to learn somewhere, but there's really, you know, there's like I did Karen Pryor, there's Gene Donald. So there's a lot of different yeah. programs that you yeah. can do some hands yeah. on. But sometimes those aren't available or they're too expensive. Or if you're really not sure that you want to be a dog trainer, I put together a little thing on my website because I get so many questions that I was finally like, I don't have time to spend a day with you to tell you all this. So here's yeah. all these resources in one spot. But for if you were talking to a new trainer too, especially as we're trying to change and make it so people don't even know about traditional training, like they just jump in. Yeah. Right. What would you like recommend? Obviously the credentialing program will be good. Do you have any other recommendations? Cause I know what I, rec I recommend a lot of different things. I recommend people come here, but what yeah. would you recommend to a person who's just starting out as being a trainer, you know, and wants to um, learn more about the field? Here's one of the problems that I've had, because I think through the launch of PPG, my personal businesses have suffered because of it, mm -hmm. because I am very cognizant of the of not them not sort of overlapping and it be, and me being seen <laughs> to take advantage of leveraging PPG. But I mean, I have a business called Dognostics with my um, has several faculty, all who are highly experienced, and we have a great selection of programs. We have a full two-year mm -hmm. dog training certificate program, dog behavior consultant program, and lots and lots of really good, fun, short certification programs. So we are a corporate partner of PPG. So when somebody asks us officially at PPG, we will first and foremost refer to corporate partners because mm -hmm. that's why people are corporate mm -hmm. partners, right? Mm -hmm. But I, you know, and if someone doesn't want to go through those, then I do refer to KPA, to Gene Donaldson, to Pat Miller, because these are mm -hmm. people that, all the offerings are very, very different, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think it's our business to tell people to direct them to one. I think we mm -hmm. can say, These, this is the offerings, but you need to do your own due diligence because I don't know whether you want to spend three years doing this or a year or a month, whether you want a mentor, whether you want to do it online, whether you want to go in person, whether you want a hybrid model, because they all are so different. For sure. And I think one thing, and this, I hope that our industry gets to this at some point, where there is some more requirements of some form of certification from one of the, you know, right. approved things, like not yeah. just, well, I read a book and now I'm a dog trainer or I trained my own dog. So now I am a dog trainer yeah. because unfortunately with our field, <clears throat> there's no regulation at all. And, right. you know, and sometimes I, there's somebody locally that calls himself a dog psychologist. He doesn't have any credentials. He's not a veterinarian. I mean, he's not a behaviorist he, and he calls yeah. himself a dog. And then 
he misinforms people saying that um, Pavlov did the this operation. This is conditioning. People teach them work. Yeah. You know, and so the uh, problem yeah. is, is the local people don't like, you know, just a regular dog trainer sees that it's a very impressive brochure. It's right. you know, probably costs $2 or more per brochure, yeah. color, beautiful, but it literally has false science information. on it. Like it's not even like yeah. none of it is actual real. Yeah. And I just feel so frustrated from clients because then they go to that person yeah. and he does use aversives and he, you know, choke chains and pinch collars are on the pictures. I just hope that as we produce and like as Pet Professional Guild gets bigger and as we work together and do these things, it's not just dog trainers that learn, hey, there's a different way, but also right. owners start to, you know, because if the consumer says, I'm not doing that, right. then, you know, we can make a change. So it is, you know, there's so many options and it's so exciting that Pet Professional Guild has that plus the corporate different people and all of your webinars and all of that things there's so much out there so yeah. you know I and I totally agree there's not just one way and it really depends on your finances and things but I think having some of these certifications is going to be so important in our future you yeah. know to really help dogs I mean really what it comes down to is to help the owners of the dogs not some Absolutely. personal ego yeah. that well, I have another letter behind my name one thing I can tell you that we're doing, which is a program that Julia Luther and I are working on with Dr. Christina Calder, we're working on a standard operating procedure for dog trainers to refer to behaviorists and behaviorists to refer out to dog trainers. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know if you're familiar, but a few years ago, myself and three of my colleagues wrote a book called Raising the Bar in Pet Training and Behavior Consulting. Mm -hmm. And it was free for a long time. But at the back end of that, there's uh, several append appendices. And one of them is the... Um, the operational flow for onboarding a client. So, you know, how did the client contact you? Have you got a, a liability waiver? Does the client present a case that you have the skills and knowledge to deal with? If not, refer to a colleague. If not, refer to behaviors. If not, and so eventually it goes, you shouldn't be doing this client or you should do this client under supervision, you know, progress on. And one of the reasons we wrote that is because we, want, we wanted to sort of standardize how we work with veterinarians, mm -hmm. and not just veterinarians, veterinary behaviorists. But when mm -hmm. we started working on that project, and I don't know whether the motivation was that I've had this thing in my mind for about 10 years, and I don't know why I haven't executed it, because usually when something bugs me this and this much, I'll die getting it done. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I even mentioned it in the PPG Facebook group about eight years ago, and it did not go down. It was not very popular at the time because certain people didn't understand how it was going to work. And I'll, I'll explain in just a second. But I do think that this is required as a support system for veterinarians and behaviorists and trainers and pet owners so that they know when they're looking for a trainer what all this alphabet actually means. Mm -hmm. So my goal, and we've started working on it already, is to list in a database every single credential available in our marketplace and to objectively score it against an objective criteria. So let's let's do PPAB as the first one. Mm -hmm. And the lowest level is canine training technician. Is there what are the eligibility criteria to take this credential? Hours, skill, age, insurance, ethics statement. How is it asset? How is the knowledge assessed? Independent exam, yes or no? Online, multiple choice, yes or no? How are the skills assessed? In person, video, what skills are assessed? So that anyone looking at that goes, wow, that's a really cool credential because it's an eligibility criteria that uh, they have to sign off on an ethics statement saying they won't use this equipment. The knowledge is independently assessed from an examination company and all the skills are also assessed as is 
a group class instruction or private client. So the coaching is also looked at. Plus, you have to show that you can take a baseline emotion and convert it into a positive emotional response. So our plan is to do that for all these credentials. Mm -hmm. So for two, for one reason, well, two reasons really. I get really tired of people saying on Facebook, oh, well, I'm credentialed. And I'm going to use my business as an example because I wouldn't want to bad name somebody else's. Mm -hmm. I'm credentialed because I did the diagnostics dog training certificate. Well, you're not actually credentialed. You paid for an educational program and you passed their criteria. Mm -hmm. But the person passing you was the same person that wrote the curriculum. Mm -hmm. All right. You can't <clears throat> compare that to the Pet Professional Accreditation Board's Professional Crane, Canine Trainer Accredited. Because mm -hmm. one's an educational provider and one's an accreditation organization. But what happens is these this alphabet gets thrown out as if they're all equal and the same. And they're not. I so, totally agree. I love that. And I it think really that that's... bothers me. And I, do, and I don't <laughs> know why, but it really bothers me. And I think it bothers me because I think it's, I think a lot of people in, intentionally or unintentionally sort of use it to hoodwink people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, I totally I... look at all these credentials and I'm thinking, well, not only are they educational providers, but there wasn't even a, a credentialing requirement at the end of the program. You just yeah. got an attendance certificate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, I think that that's super important because I'm really picky about now. So I, you know, knew it's a long time. I have letters, but I took the first APDT test, the CPDT test. I took the right. very first one in 2001 yeah. because there was nothing else. Yeah. And then I've kind of, you know, progressed yeah. into different things. But, but I the, think that- but, the, but, but, but that's that's a good example, you see. The CC, totally. CCPDT, they would score quite well across all the criteria with the exception of, and obviously we were the ones setting the criteria. So there is totally. no bias, right? Totally, totally. With, with the exception of, A, they don't mandate skill testing and we do, because I believe that in a skill industry, we shouldn't just be licensing or accrediting people or credentialing them just with knowledge tested. Mm -hmm. And and B, they would also lose points objectively on the fact that they're, they don't have they don't have an ethical statement that says you can't use shock, prong, choke, pain, force or fear. Yeah, well, and I took it so yeah. long ago that those were questions because that was, I mean, when I went, it was in New York and they did like a a webinar or a seminar that was like before the test kind of as a like, okay, review. And literally there were probably 25% of the attendees that used yeah. a version yeah. and it wasn't, but the, again, this was 20, 2001. Yeah. They weren't even, it was like, I had to answer, even though I didn't use them. What's the correct way to, you know, put on a pinch collar or a yeah. shot collar, you know? And I, I, I was like, and I was like, yeah, okay, I had to answer those. Yeah, to get I it. took it in 2001 and I had similar questions. On, and I, know, I don't think they're there anymore. And, I don't and, think so either. And anyone listening to this, please don't understand this document, this matrix yeah. is not going to say this one is better than this one. It's mm -hmm. just simply going to say, here's all these credentials. Here's the criteria. Is it a nonprofit or a profit? Is it an educational provider? Is it a university? Is it a, an accreditation company? So that you can look at it and go, okay, so I know that this credential is a private business. It doesn't have any credentialing requirements. There's no ethics statement. There's no skills tested, no knowledge tested. So I now know as a consumer or a veterinary behaviorist or a fellow trainer, mm -hmm. if somebody has on their email signature, blah, blah, AZ, blah, 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 mm -hmm. it yes. doesn't really mean the same as someone that has the CCPDT. For sure. I'm has been tested. 
Exactly. I know. I think that that would be great. I think it's great for new trainers to know. I think pet owner. I mean, I think the whole, it, it's very helpful because not yeah. all of them are equal. I mean, even the things that I have, like some of them are, oh, I was just interested in this and I got a certification in it. It doesn't mean yeah. that I like am an expert yeah. in it. I was just interested. And then I got CEUs for it, you know? And so yeah. I think that that's a great, uh, you know, great thing. And, so, for- and, and it's also, I mean, how many times have I seen somebody on Facebook say, well, I'm, I'm credentialed through PPG. I'm a member. And, and I, we have to message them and say, you're misrepresenting PPG. Mm-hmm. PPG mm-hmm. doesn't credential anybody. It's an association. It's a membership. You pay, you're approved and you, and off you go. Yes, exactly. You know, that, that's very different than actually holding a credential that you have mm-hmm. earned and have been awarded because of independent testing. Exactly. You can't, you can't conflate the two. It's completely different. I totally agree. I think, I think, you know, you really are on and, and I'm so glad you stuck it through and I'm so glad you ignored all of those <laughs> naysayers yeah. early on because there are a lot of groups, things are converging more into a force-free positive environment slowly, you know, um, and with the requirements. And I think Pet Professional Guild has kind of really put some pressure on some of the groups that maybe really are resistant. I, I think so too. And I think over the years, because a lot of members are members of several organizations, and I think the internal pressure I mean, I think when the APDT and IABC and the CCPDT came out with Lima, I think that was in in response to some of the pressure that was applied to them because you you need to make a statement about the use of a Fersis, right? Now, I would have liked to have seen them go further and take some stuff off the table, which they didn't. Um, I totally agree. Maybe that's the next phase. Hopefully it is. But I think if PPG hadn't been around sort of out in front, I think it would have been too easy for other organizations just to not have made the changes. Exactly. Because it wouldn't have been brought up. So they wouldn't have, it would have just been like, well, there's nothing really pressuring us. So let's just keep, you know, if it's not broke, you know, don't fix it. Even though it was broke, they just didn't know it was broke, you know, like just, oh, I didn't realize. And I think because it was, I also stopped, um, I've been an APDT member since the nineties and I stopped my membership for quite a while for a lot of those reasons. And then once they at least came up with some more statements, more yeah. Lima version, yeah. not totally force free, but yeah. it was at least the right steps, you know, right. it was at least moving yeah. forward. And I truly, I yeah. do, I think Pet Professional Guild has really kind of put gentle pressure in our field, which yeah. is partly why I just think it's such a great organization and I love that there's so many options for people and we'll put links of these some of these options too because maybe we have a junior um, trainer listening to this podcast and like oh what's that junior trainer thing I'm gonna look at you know those things I think people need to know there's a lot of options out there and and you guys have a lot of resources so I I just want to add as well Shannon because this is something that I don't think a lot of people know and and it's this is quite important to me is that when we first started we wanted an association that rallied around a philosophy and approach methodology and that would hold ourselves and each other to a high standard. But we also recognize that there are people that are on the transition or making the journey. And we certainly don't want to punish those folks, right? We want to encourage them and shape them. So when people say PPG is extreme, you're very, you're not inclusionary. The whole reason and rationale around having a provisional membership was so that anybody that likes the idea of it, but maybe thinks, well, I don't have the skills, or, well, I love what they're saying, but I'm not sure how I can do that. 
They can join as a provisional member and hopefully through the process of osmosis and they're around other people and networking, they'll, they'll, they'll be sort of carried along that journey a little bit more expediently. So as a provisional member, you're either a trainee or a student and you don't get a directory listing because we're not going to put you out there in front of the world and say, yay, select training from this individual. But we do thank you and say, absolutely, come on in. I mean, all these resources are available for you as well. I love, love, love that because I'm a huge person because I was, a I mean, technically I was crossover because I started training when I was 16, you know, 16 and I was forced to use a choke collar and this is all in my book and I've, you know, been very open about and then went to vet tech school and worked in zoos and saw, wait a minute, they're not doing this to all the zoo animals. And when I was in college and then my first dog was reactive and of course everybody told me to, you know, punish her, punish her. And then truly it was, I went to a webinar or a seminar. It was at Western Veterinary um, Conference and Karen overall said, aggression doesn't treat aggression. And it was like, someone yeah. slapped me across the face and I never yeah. have looked back. And that was in the late nineties, early two thousands, but I have been there. Like, I'm like, I, yeah, I did that because that's all I knew. So and look, I, and look, at the, look at the huge positive impact you're having on our industry now. So if trainers that were representing what you wanted to be, if they hadn't have been open to helping you and, and helping you travel along that journey, maybe you'd have dropped out of the industry. Maybe the industry would be a sadder place because there was you're not in it helping other people. And that's why I wrote my evolution of dog training book was because of that. It was like, this is why, and it's not judgment. It's just like, this is how it's gone yeah. from, you yeah. know, when we first started very simple reading because right. it's meant for pet owners or brand new trainers. It's not meant yeah. for the advanced trainer. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if somebody reaches out to me and says, Hey, I, you know, use this, but I want to do this. My clients, I mean, soup, never judgment because they only yeah. know what they know and they're yeah. coming to me for education. And I'm going to kindly and empathetically yeah. and compassionately, just like I teach my dogs, right. I'm going to help them guide Absolutely. it. And I think yeah. that that is such an important part of our field. And sometimes I see our colleagues shutting people down who are just trying to step in the field and it pushes people away rather than bringing it's, them it's, in. I mean, it's absolute hypocrisy, isn't it? Because, mm -hmm. you know, we can't be preaching to, to, to change behavior using certain methodologies and approaches and then do the absolute opposite and punish people and use aversives when we're talking to human beings. Now, I do want to speak a little bit more to that because... It's difficult. In our guiding principles, we talk about the fact that we don't we, we don't condemn or criticize people. We, we can condemn and criticize methodology. So as a PPG member, I'm not saying that you can't be out there saying that shock collars are painful or choke collars are not aversives because they absolutely are. But what you can't be out there saying is that so-and-so is an aversive dickhead, excuse my yes. French, because, they <laughs> because, because in any other industry, that would be deemed completely unprofessional and unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Here's where I struggle with our own guiding principles is, and I will name Dog Daddy, because I have named him on Facebook, and he's the first trainer that I ever did, well, I'm not even sure if trainer's an accurate statement, to be honest. True. Um, because I did name him on Facebook, because there are training approaches and philosophies that, according to social norms, have been accepted. And we might not like them, the science might say they don't work, we shouldn't be using them. But there's, all, there's, there's a continuum, right? And we might be at the one end of it, and a lot of people are further down, some are in the middle. But hanging dogs, physically beating dogs, and mm -hmm. um, emotionally traumatizing dogs, that does not fit under any definition of training in any of the literature that I've reviewed. Mm -hmm. so, it's just abuse. 
So if you put yourself out in the public environment and you are abusing dogs to the point where there's criminality because if a dog trainer or a pet owner did that, they probably they probably in most ordinances could be arrested for it or cited or fined. Um, you can't then complain when somebody says you are abusing animals, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and for sure. And that's difficult because there's a fine line, isn't there, between between not criticizing official sort of social norms, social accepted methods, because we don't necessarily, I mean, and let me give you one example. I don't use um, no reward markers. I don't use a uh uh-uh, but Mm -hmm. because I would rather condition a positive interrupter that my dog responds happily to. But I'm also not going to spend four hours on Facebook arguing with somebody else that goes uh uh-uh. Because there are so much, so many bigger fish to fry. Totally. I I have some clients that, you know, say, uh, uh, and I always just watch the dog and half the time they don't even, they're ignoring it. So I don't like, I'm not going to berate them for that saying it because I'm looking at the dog's response and the dog's just like, yeah, that's just what my mom makes that noise. Or my dad makes that noise all the time. doesn't yeah. really mean anything. So yeah. like, it's, white, but noise, I, white noise, white noise. And so then I pick and choose. Now, if the dog is startled, yeah. emotionally response then I might say hey did you see that your dog did that yeah, when you exactly. said that then exactly. I deal with it but then like I don't stop people when I'm on a walk that have a pinch collar I have a walk with a friend and she's always like how do you do that I'm like I can I'm not going to walk up to some stranger and tell them you're not you going to have any impact I mean yeah, exactly I mean, because no, you have yeah, to be I mean, open you can't so, manipulate you can't verbally manipulate someone into changing their own behavior it just doesn't work exactly and, and people say this all the time it further entrenches there's research to show it further entrenches <laughs> If you're out there being your sort of warrior and belittling people and berating them, you're actually pushing them further to the other mm-hmm. side. Exactly. I mean, exactly. it's not working. You're, you're not being a good ambassador for positive reinforcement training, right? Exactly. Um, and it's just being a really a good leader is just yeah. showing up, doing it over, yeah. you know, be, and I, I mean, my, all my websites and all my, all my um, mission statements all include having empathy and compassion. And it's not just for the dog but it's for people yeah. too because yeah. we all learn from different places I one and... of the things I love about my job is I love helping people I mean I just yeah. do I think it's why I spent 25 years working in hospitality because mm-hmm. I enjoy helping people and and it goes back to the old statement doesn't it people say well I don't really like people so I'll work with dogs well <laughs> and I mean and jokes aside you might mean it but you're in the wrong industry because you can't uh, people... help the dog without helping the owner as a veterinary technician, I can't tell you how many veterinarians go through vet school mm-hmm. and they do it because they don't like people and they like dogs. And I bang my head against the wall when I would be training associates, you know, new graduates as a vet tech, I would be like, you do realize that the people have to bring the dog, yeah. the people pay for the dog's procedures, like, and the veterinarians who absolutely won't talk to the people will not be successful in a general practice. Yeah. They usually end up having to be uh, in research or something because right. which is fine it, because that's totally what, it that's is personality is match right exactly I mean, I, I'll give you an example I worked for Ritz Carlton for many years and I also worked for Fairmont Hotels and Resorts and they have similar psychometric testing for um, employees or associates and there was one for supervisors one for rank and file and one for senior management but every single person that walked in through the door for an interview whether you were interviewing to be an operations director or a chef or a room attendant or a waiter did a psychometric test. And if you did not show a personality type that enjoyed helping people and enjoyed problem solving, it didn't matter how long your resume was or where you'd worked or what skills you had. The interview stopped. 
stopped and you were told very politely, we don't think you're appropriate for our organization. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately you can be the most skilled individual, but if you don't have a natural affinity for wanting to help nurture and guide people, you shouldn't be in this industry. I 100% agree. 100% agree. Unless you're working behind the scenes. Yes. I mean, I, mean, I used to joke and say, well, you know, people should go work in a bank because banks always get a crappy customer service, right? <laughs> but jokes aside, because banks should be employing people that also want to help people. But yes. there, are, there are so many jobs in every industry that enable you to get your skills and your academic qualifications and work with animals that don't require you have any contact with people. Yes. We talked about this. We could talk forever. I think the future is good for pre-enforcement. It's just got to be, it's just not, it's a work in progress and we have to keep moving forward. And, you know, things like dog daddy are actually going to help us shine the light on why we're different, you know, as we go. So I think that this is great. Is there anything, I mean, you have given such so many good nuggets of information for our listeners, but is there anything as we kind of close that you would really like anybody to know that's aside from all the great things that you have talked about today? If there's one thing that I could change in our industry, and this would also, this would be for everything, we, we need to bring civility back to how we mm-hmm. treat each other. I mean, it doesn't matter where you go. And I'm not talking about, you know, conforming or restricting people of having freedom of expression. I'm just talking about just respecting people for being individuals, respecting their opinions and being kind and showing some empathy and being, and when you don't agree with somebody, be civil about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't have to go through life, you know, raging internally having problematic emotional responses to situations that we often have full control over. For sure. Just because a lack of civility sort of deems it normal. And I, and it's a very touchy subject because obviously, we you know, we look to the top, don't we? We look at the way politicians behave and epidemics behave. And in any industry, you look at the leadership within that industry or within your sphere of influence. Um, and if you haven't got good role models, go find them because there are some really good role models out there. I totally agree. And I think, you know, looking at different people too, and learning from, you know, different, you know, not just one person here. I mean, one thing I'm super grateful about, I joke with people that my career is very zigzag. So, you know, up, down, backwards, inside out, like, you know, I've been all over the place. And in some ways I get like, God, if I had just been a little more focused when I was in college, I would have gone, you know, done a different path. But at the same time, it's made me learn from such a variety of people. So I have my veterinary medicine, you know, veterinary medicine stuff. I'm going to have a degree in biology. So I learned biology and science. And then I went and got my vet tech degree and I learned, you know, medical that way. And then, but neither of those really talked about behavior much, even though I did some focus as my biology. I, I created my own class to do a field study on some zoo animals so that I could still do behavior. And then I learned and like, I learned through behaviorists first, because that's where I was first, like Karen overall. And then I was like, okay, I want to do more. And I happened to be in Napa. So I had Ian Dunbar there. I had Jean Donaldson there. I had Donna DuFord, who's no longer practicing, Mm -hmm. but I was like, followed her because she was in San Francisco. Like I went to all these people and I really look at now, like when I see new trainers or when like, there should be a variety of education because- that's what's great about Pet Professional Guild has right. lots of different people who yeah. may talk well, about the not, same thing. It's, it's, I mean, one of my, well, and I'm really pleased you brought that up. And just two things. Number one, you've had a lot of experience that is different experiences. You haven't had one year of experience repeated over 20 years, right? Which mm-hmm. has to happen in our industry. And I, and I think it might happen because 
it's very clicky in our industry, isn't it? You either follow this person or you follow that person or you click with this person. And when we first started PPG, some of the steering committee members that I first invited on board said, oh, we should get so-and-so to endorse it. We should invite them in. And I said, no, we don't want to bring big personalities into the organization because we don't want the organization to start sort of veering towards a personality. We want to create our own personality. And hopefully by doing that, big personalities will jump on board and endorse us, which is what which is what happened. Because a lot of trainers or a lot of individuals go through life and you tend to stay in the lane you're in. Mm -hmm. So you might, all your education might have come from the same person or the same organization. And yet, if you go outside of that and go elsewhere, you're going to, you're going to get education from a completely different perspective, Mm -hmm. which is very different, right? I mean, Louise and I at Diagnostics, I went through Cassie, the Companion and Science Institute with James O'Hara. She went through Kay Lawrence. We often laugh because we end up at the same juncture, but we get there in very different ways, thought process, approach, philosophy. And And I think it's important because you're working with different dogs and different people. And so I always say like, I have a very full dog training toolbox because like, if this doesn't work, I'm like, oh, well, I learned this from from this person or I pulled from that, you know, and, and I think that that is something why continuing education is so important in our industry and why it needs to be a variety. I agree. Like it shouldn't just be all from one person because you really yeah. aren't educated if you only learn from one person right. you, you're educated yeah. but it's not a full yeah. education yeah. so and, and and i do want to say this as well that you know education doesn't have to be that expensive either mm-hmm. i mean you know i mean when i look at some of the books i've got and some of the books i've read and 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 they were done in support of other courses i did or webinars you can get a really solid education through academia through books through research mm-hmm. papers um I mean, just, I mean, look at some of the books that are available now. I mean, I don't know about you, John, but when I first started dog training in 2000, um, when I first got my very first dog, jumping back to Hawaii, there was the Monks of New Skeet, there was Barbara Woodhouse, and there was, um, there was uh, Brian Killimore. That was it. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. I mean, now every single reputable dog trainer, plus a lot that aren't, has got books out in print, you know, PDFs online. There's exactly. so much information out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you can get it. I totally agree. Well, Nikki, I, like I said, we could talk for another hour easily, but, um, uh, but our listeners might, you know, want to have other things to do besides just listen to us. <laughs> they talk have all other day. things to do. <laughs> <laughs> they got to go train their dogs. They got to go find a trainer. They got to go check out Pet Professional Guild. Um, well, thank you so very much for being here today. I, t- I so appreciate it. We've talked about You're so welcome. many great things and you know, once the website launches, if we, you know, need to have another one so we can you just will be the have first person I will tell. And so we will have a party. We'll have to have a party podcast <laughs> just to celebrate. But and I will be seeing you in November in Arizona. Yay. And yes. um, but anybody who's listening, we'll put all of all this information in that and in the links so that you can check out Pet Professional Guild yourself. But thank you so much, Nikki, for being here with us today. I really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. I'm happy to support you guys in anything that you do. You do great work. So thank you. Thank you.